Well, if you have a Bible, if you would, take it and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 in your Bibles this morning. I hope everyone has a memorable and meaningful Christmas this week. Remembering the beautiful truth that our Savior came for us and enjoying the people around you is always a blessing. And after what was a hard year for a lot of us in the room, I hope it's ending well for you and your family. Don't miss the first Sunday of January. We are a few weeks away from that, which is kind of interesting. Seems like as slow as this year has moved, we're already approaching the first week of January. But we kick off our new theme for 2021 that week and set the stage for a brand new year as a church family. And I can't wait to work through that theme with you all. But today we're continuing our Christmas close series. Pastor Cedric, he walked us through a extremely challenging section of Colossians 3 over the last two weeks, covering things like humility, which we'll talk a little more about the humility of Jesus next Sunday. So please come back for that. But he covered patience, kindness, meekness, bearing with one another, and forgiveness. So hopefully you have been putting on those articles of clothing each and every day. This week we're going to continue this series by looking at a wonderful section of verses here in Philippians 2 that that we should put on an attitude and perspective of care and concern for others that's not driven by selfish ambition or conceit, as we will see. And we should shine bright in a dark world. This message today is very practical, but it is one that I believe we all can get better at. So if you're there in Philippians chapter 2, we're going to begin reading together in verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now... Not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. We are grateful and thankful for this time that we have together to gather and to sing praises to your name and to hear your word read and studied. Lord, we're grateful for this opportunity 
And during this season, during this time of the year, we're thankful that we have some focused time to remember the coming of our Savior. Lord, help us to remember that. Help us to live out that truth each and every day, not just this time of the year, but all throughout the year. Lord, may our praises to you be never-ending. May our love for you drive us deeper into your word. And may your word change us and help us as we navigate this world and as we live for you in it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, from our text, we see that God's intent is for Christians to be known as people who follow the example of Jesus Christ. This has been our simple theme this year, as many of you know, unless you're a guest. This has been our our focus, reflect, observe his example, and imitate his heart. And the reason for this theme, the reason why we, we studied this specific theme this year is simple. Because we can do more for the kingdom of God when we are working in unity toward a common mission or goal that is centered on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's why our theme this year has been Reflect. Because we want to drive you and our people, we want us to be driven to the person of Jesus, to looking to Jesus, observing his example, and living for him each and every day. That's been our goal and our mission. So how did you do this year with our theme? Did you spend more time in God's word, observing the example of Jesus? And were you able to imitate his heart in your life? And I know it's not just about our theme But it's the theme of Scripture. Paul speaks of it over and over again, this this imitation of Jesus Christ. And I really hope it has made an impact on you and your family this year. But this week we're going to look at a few of the characteristics that we as followers of Jesus who are observing his example and imitating his heart, we're going to look at a few of the things that we ought to be known for as his children. That if we are truly observing, and if we are truly imitating him, then this section of scripture, I think, should be very important to each and every one of us. You see, Christians in general, and we, and I don't need to, I don't need to tell you this, you already know this, but we are sometimes perceived in negative ways in our culture, and in our world, and in our communities. And when this is the case, and And it is often the case, it's mostly because of the way that we are acting or by the ways we have treated people in our lives. Churches even sometimes have a bad reputation. We know this. Sometimes churches have bad reputations in their communities because of the interactions that people have had with those churches. And so I want to ask a few questions this morning as we start our time together. How do your friends, how does your family, your co-workers, and your neighbors view you? How do they view other people who say they follow Jesus? How do those who are not yet following Christ view those who say they are following Christ? Change my mind. Christians often have a negative reputation in our workplaces and in our communities. Have you noticed that some people, they just assume that Christians are going to be judgmental or that Christians are going to be self-absorbed and and self-focused and and self-righteous and closed-minded and most of the time unwilling to have fun and downright boring. That's what a lot of people think when they think of Christians. 
Now, many of you know that Brittany and I homeschool our kids, but you may not know that Brittany and I were homeschooled ourselves. And when we were growing up, we, uh, homeschooling wasn't really a big thing in, in the culture during, during my high school days. And our, my mom and Brittany's mom, they definitely were like trailblazers, if that's actually cool or not. But it was always hard to come across what we would consider the weird homeschoolers. You know, who we thought dressed strange and just did a bunch of strange things, like they made their own underwear, like they existed. And so, and so that was a struggle for Brittany and I, who thought we were the cool homeschoolers. And so we worked so difficult to, to kind of be not identified with the kooky stuff. We hated that they represented us. And so it just wasn't fair that we did all this work to be normal and fight the stereotype. But if homeschooling was brought up, people might still think that we were the weird ones. Nobody likes to be poorly represented. Or at least, by their own definition, they don't want to be poorly represented. But when it comes to our faith, we can all think of someone in our life that we really wish didn't represent us. Or our church. Or followers of Jesus in general. The reason most people have their minds made up about church and Christians is because of something that they've heard from someone they trust or that they have experienced themselves. Now somewhere along the way they had a negative experience, they had a negative moment that that shaped their perspective on who Christians are and what the church is. Maybe a Christian shared the gospel or shared some truth from the word, but they did it in an, ex, in an extremely unkind way. Or maybe they were hypocrites. They preached one thing, but they lived another thing. Or maybe they were gossips, and they, they never could control their tongues. And so, so they have a bad reputation in the community and in the world around them. I mean, think about it. We've probably all done something to give Christianity a bad rap. I think all of us could include ourselves in that description. But we should do our part to make sure that Christians are not viewed as being self-absorbed, condescending, and fake. That if we're ever going to accomplish our goals and, and of reaching and influencing others and making a difference in their lives, then, then our personal and our collective reputations, they, they might need some work. And they might need to possibly change today. We have to find a way to be seen differently. There are are really only a few things that can change the way that we're perceived. And and they're, they're they're not super complicated. But if we want to be perceived differently, we have to have a deeper knowledge and a love of God and His transforming Word, which affects the way we live and the way we treat people. Love God, love others. If you just quoted that to yourself every single morning before you left the house, I think your life and my life would look considerably different. The way we behave in relationships on a daily basis would change. But keep in mind, this has nothing to do with us uh, compromising truth. This has everything to do with the way that we interact with people. So if you still have your Bibles open there to Philippians, look at verse 3. 
Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, or that means to impress others. But in humility, count others more significant or better than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Sounds noble, right? We love to post these kinds of verses on our social media feeds, if you have social media. We love to, to quote these verses to people who we think need to do this. But we don't really like to do it. No, if you like to do that, you're, you're weird. It's just not something that we, we love to do. And it's the exact opposite of the way most people live their lives, even Christians. This doesn't, this verse, these section of verses, they do not represent me most of the time. We get so wrapped up in what's best for us. I get so wrapped up in what's best for me that we don't have time and we don't have energy and we don't have the desire to care for others and do what's best for others. And in this passage, Paul is challenging us to be selfless and to put others first. It's a common theme in the message of Christianity. It's a common theme in the Gospels. It's a common theme in Paul's writings. He says these things over and over again, that there should be a unity among Christians around this idea that we should be a selfless group of people. Not just as individuals, but as a group. As the church, we should be known as being selfless. To live as if the needs of others are bigger than our own. That the needs of our, our, our individual families, are, are, and not just ourselves and our church, that they're not, just, they're not the most important things. That we should be, and we must be a body that is committed to caring for others, and we can do that together. And we can do that better together. The, the very next verse here says something significant. Verse 5, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The NIV says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now we're going to talk more about this in detail, this verse here specifically next week. So come back for that, I hope you will. But putting others first was a priority for our Savior. It was a marker of his entire ministry while he was walking this earth. It was, it, it looked like him accepting outcasts. And he sacrificed his own comfort for others. Yes, he took time to rest and recharge. He took time for prayer and for solitude. But selflessness was a vivid marker of his time here on earth. You see it all throughout the Gospels. The whole idea of us calling ourselves Christ followers is that we actually strive to look like Christ in the way that we live each and every day. So what does that mean for us here in December of 2020? What does that look like at home? What does that look like on social media? What does that look like at our workplaces? What would we have to do if we wanted to treat and put others first, like Jesus did. Well, first, we must understand that this is, that this is something that God would want each and every one of us to do. It's, it's, not, it's pretty simple. That this is who God wants us to be. 
that Jesus made others a priority because that was the will of his Father who was in heaven. It's why he was sent to earth, and we're going to talk more about that next week. So we're going to skip a whole section here in the middle of our text today. He came to consider people as more important than himself, to the point of even coming and going to the cross and giving up his life to offer us salvation and hope. And boy, that's a word that we all need to hear this year. You see this in the garden when he was praying and asking not to go to the cross. But he went to the cross anyways because humanity's need mattered more than his own need. And for us, we model that each and every day by caring for those around us about where they will spend eternity as well. We love and we give and we serve because we want others to experience what we have been blessed to experience. And that is the good gift of salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ. And we share the good news, the good news of the gospel, as often as we can. Another way that we can put others first is to be more considerate with people who are unlike us. You see, disagreeing with someone, it doesn't give us the right to be prideful and to forget what humility looks like. A daily practice of humility is choosing to deny ourselves and to choose humility. We do this for the good of others and to the honor and the glory of God our Savior. You see, when we consider others as more significant or important, we can just sacrifice this being right all the time. Whether we're dealing with a Christian brother or sister, or even someone who is is unsaved, who doesn't know Jesus. This doesn't mean that we have to act like those we disagree with, especially in the case of sinful behaviors, but this does mean that that we wait for the right opportunity to speak with grace and truth and love as we share the truth in a right way. We should have this same mind among us, the same mind That Christ had. Do nothing from selfish ambition. Choose humility. Consider others as more significant than ourselves. Look not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. And look down to verse 14. As we continue to see how Paul would want us to be living out these things in our lives. He says in verse 14, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul paints a clear picture here with these words. That all of these characteristics, they are here to help us accomplish this one goal, to shine as lights in the world. Paul is challenging this church here in Philippi and those of us who are reading this text today to to light up. To, to be lights that are noticed, to be bright, to not fade into the background, to, to not be someone who is just blending in. But we are to be guides. We are to be a light that people can look to and look towards and see the gospel in this crooked and this twisted generation. So let your life 
point straight to Jesus. Show them how to live out a faith that is attractive and that it's interesting because of the glory of the God that we serve. Now, Paul's not saying that you and I need to be the center of attention all the time. He's not saying that there's something wrong with you if you're shy or if you're introverted. And if you were to to really ask me to name the people in my life who made the deepest impact on me, it wasn't the loud ones. It was the quiet ones. It were the the ones who, who were humble and patient and generous and kind. They didn't gossip. They didn't slander. They didn't complain. They didn't join in the ways of the world. They were consistent and they were faithful and they were deep lovers of Jesus. You see, this isn't about being loud. This is about being alive. But being alive in Christ. It doesn't mean that you're never sad or that you never have a bad day. It does, however, mean that other people see that what you claim to be truth in your life, that it's real to you. That it has made an impact on you. And that it has ultimately changed you. You see, people don't need to see that, that you're perfect. They just need to see that you're different. And you're pursuing the one who made all the difference. That you are pursuing the mind of Christ. That's why Paul says, have this mind among yourselves. So do people see that you enjoy following Jesus? Can they see that you love him? That's what will stand out to a world and to a group of people who desperately need hope. The joy that comes from following the Savior should flow out of us and into the world around us and into our communities and into our workplaces and into our families. And, and we should, we should, that should be a marker on us. As a body, that should be something that is said about each and every one of us every single day. You see, a life lived for Jesus is a life pointed to Jesus. Some years before Paul told these believers to shine like bright lights, Jesus was speaking to a group of believers, and and he said this in John 10, which many of you have memorized. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, Jesus didn't show up on the scene so so that you and I could live these dull, uninspired lives. Now don't hear this as a promise of wealth and health and prosperity, He came to give us something so much better. Something so much more extraordinary than what the things of this earth promise us. It's movement from death to life. That we were dead and now we're alive and that gives us a reason to sing. And that gives us a reason to celebrate. And that gives us a reason to love deeply. Because we have been made alive. That we were once dead. And now we are no longer dead, but we have been given life. And that should change us. That is something better than the temporary things that we so often chase with all of our hearts, souls, and minds. 
But Jesus also talked about the purpose for living life to the full. One day he was preaching on the mountainside, and we studied this a little bit at the beginning of the year, but in Matthew 5, he's preaching one of the most famous sermons of all time, and he says that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people place it, light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, Jesus says. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How we live, what we say, where we go, what we do, it matters to Jesus. He just told us to let your light shine in the darkness. Like Jesus, Paul had a purpose, he had an agenda. He wanted people to live different. He wanted people to live in an attractive way. He wanted them to shine. But not just for the sake of of shining. Not for their own glory. But so God would receive all of the honor and all of the glory and all of the praise. Now this seems like a big idea. So don't let this make you seem or make you feel like you have to be perky. And roses and glitter all the time. You don't have to be perky all the time. You don't have to be perfect all the time. It's never going to be possible. But being Christians that make God and Christianity appealing, I think that is possible. But I think we can begin by taking two small, simple steps. So Paul gives us a few things that that we can implement today. The first way we can shine is don't grumble. He tells us right here. He he makes it real simple and and uncomplicated. Don't grumble. What a great place for us to start today. Because sometimes the Christmas season can bring out the grumblers. It can bring out the grumbler in me, that's for sure. I'm working on it. We dry-humored sometimes sarcastic type, we can certainly find ourselves on the grumbling train and take it too far sometimes. But look back at verse 14. Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. It could be, it could be translated as us doing all things without complaining or arguing as well. That the next time you're about to argue, don't. The next time you're about to criticize someone, look for something positive to say. Then instead of grumbling and complaining about something, maybe you could ask better questions. Things like, how can I help? What can I do? Or what don't I know? It's possible that you may not have all the details when it comes to a certain situation. That you may not fully understand what is happening. Whether it be the decision of a parent, if you're a kid. The decision of your boss. The decision of a friend or the decision of church leadership. And you may need to ask some better questions. 
and still then choose not to grumble and complain. I mean, think about how the words and the words that we say, how they shape the way people see you. Have you thought about that lately? That the words that we choose to say in person, online, in a text message, they shape how people see us. They shape how people see the church and even Christians. So think back to your words and your behavior this week. Think back to the words that may have come out of your mouth this year alone. Have your words and behavior polite, uh, positively or negatively represented Christianity? Are the Christians around you glad that you represent them? I think we should decide to be different. So don't grumble. Then be passionate. But be passionate about the right things. But that requires passion. To, to be passionate and shining like bright lights. Too often, those who call themselves Christians, we, we seem to be indifferent about our faith. We, we do the drill. We go through the motions. We show up to church. We put on our church clothes. We do the church thing. We do the Christian thing. We just go through the motions. I've recently heard it said that a Christian without passion is no Christian at all. But I'm talking about pursuing a passionate faith that permeates everything in our lives. I'm not talking about just smiling all the time. I'm talking about developing a heart for God and a passion for people that causes us to get excited when we talk about our faith. Instead of shrinking back and, and keeping it private and just keeping it all to ourselves. That when I think and I, I talk about Jesus or I think about our, our theme from 2020, this theme of reflecting and observing and imitating, that, that, and, 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 and I think about that and it drives me to his word and to the example of Jesus. That's, that's what makes a difference. That in our apathetic culture, that will make us stand out. That's why we do themes. That's why we focus so heavily on this reflecting idea this year. Because a life pointed, or a life lived for Jesus, is a life pointed to Jesus. So how would it change our world if Christians were not only known for being people who work together, but we were known for doing it in an unselfish way? Jesus would want us to live that way. If all of us began to put others first, imagine how much gospel work we could be a part of. You see, God can accomplish big things through us, and he wants to use us. That's what Matthew chapter 28 is all about, that he has all authority in heaven and on earth, but he tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to baptize them. And to teach them to observe all the things that he has commanded us to do. He wants to use us. And he uses us. So did he use you this year? In fact, if our goal is to reach people and connect them to our faith and into our community, then really caring for people is a great place to start. 
So after Paul tells us to shine like bright lights, the first part of verse 16 is where I want us to end our time together. He says, holding fast to the word of life. This is holding fast to the person of Jesus. This is staying connected to the person of Jesus. That you take his word and you write his word on your heart. That you offer hope like Jesus did. That you serve people the way Jesus did. And this makes us different. Living this life will take some change. It will require some work of us. But it's worth it. And we have to remember that shining like bright lights, it doesn't mean that you have to be the center of attention all the time and draw all the, ten- the, the focus to yourself. The goal in all of this is so that the world will see Jesus. It's so the people that are around you, those that are going through tough times, can see hope. It's so your friends who feel like their lives are meaningless can find true meaning. It's so people will turn towards God and run to Jesus. And yes, even enjoy him. So let's be a group of people who live lives that are different. Because a life lived for Jesus is a life pointed to Jesus. Simple, but so worth doing. And I hope during this Christmas season that you heard the cliche statements that Jesus is the reason for this season. He's the reason for every season. And so are you following him? Are you trusting him? Are you obeying him? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. As the musicians come forward, I want to I leave you with that thought of Of a life lived for Jesus is a life pointed to Jesus. Are you holding fast to the word of life today? And so this week as you leave, as you walk out the doors this morning, as you, and I hope that you'll reflect on this truth this week. I hope that you'll read Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 15 this week. And that you will strive, that you will hold fast to who Jesus is and who he was and who he will always be. And that you will strive to live for him and point people to him. It's a little harder to do in our culture right now than it was a year ago. We have to we have to live a little differently right now. But the gospel is still something that we should be talking about. The gospel is still something that you should be sharing as often as God gives you the opportunity to share. If you're navigating this life And we all are. Jesus should always be on our lips. 
So allow him to make a change in you. Heavenly Father, we're grateful and thankful for who you are. We're thankful for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.